So if you've been here for the last four Sundays, you'll know um, Neil's been taking us through the book of Nehemiah. And as I said, as he and Kate are away this weekend, um, I have the privilege of sharing with you from Nehemiah chapter 4. For those of you who don't know me, um, my name is Mike. I'm married to the amazing Lindsay. Yeah, we're celebrating 15 years of marriage next month. Yeah. And this this month I'll be celebrating my third year of being on staff in this church, and it's just I just say it's such a huge privilege to to be able to serve you guys week in and week out. It's um there's not a day that goes by when I don't thank the Lord for for the job that I have. Um, so if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Nehemiah chapter four. We're not going to read it just yet, but we um, just put a finger in there. So. So far, it's all been going rather well for Nehemiah and his team. But in today's chapter, we see a somewhat more challenging side to things. And just by way of recap, for those of you who've missed any of Neil's wonderful sermons from the last month, Nehemiah, who's cupbearer to the Persian king, gets news that Jerusalem, the city of his ancestors, lies in ruins. And straight off the bat, the first thing Nehemiah does is he prays. He then goes to the king, who's his boss, to ask for some time off, some resources to go with him, and letters of permission to go and rebuild the broken city. It's a bit like, um, it, those of you who don't know, Lindsay and I came, um, we moved here from Zimbabwe just over 12 years ago. So it's a bit like me going to Neil and going, look, Neil, Zimbabwe's in ruins. Um, the place is a mess, which is not far from the truth. Um, and um, we want to go back there and, and rebuild it. And it's like Neil getting together a team of people, um, having, doing a big collection for us, and sending us out to Zimbabwe to, to go and help rebuild it. Now, in case any of you are hoping, it's not about to happen anytime soon. So, um, <laughs> you're stuck with us. Um, there's, there have been murmurs. People have been coming up to me going, you know, isn't it time for you guys to go and plant a church? Because there's been a, a bit of a cycle of people coming on staff and going to plant churches. Um, just to settle another point right now, we are not about to go and plant a church anytime soon. Um, or if Lindsay's got a choice in it, ever. So, <laughs> um, again, you're just stuck with us. So, not only does the king grant Nehemiah all his requests, but he also sends a military escort along with him, just in case. So, not surprisingly, Nehemiah feels the grace of God upon him. When he gets to Jerusalem... Nehemiah inspects the walls of the city uh, to see the extent of the work that needs to be done. And then, as we saw a couple of weeks ago, he invites the people to join him in rebuilding the city. And there's an incredible response from them. They all gather around, um, not only from Jerusalem itself, but from the surrounding areas, all saying, yes, where do we sign up? We want to get involved. We want to get on the team. Um, so it's all going really well for him until we get to chapter 4. So let's see what happens next. Alongside the great responses that Nehemiah's had, now we get a taste of the other side of things. And it's basically the challenge of, of, of opposition. So we're going to look, what we're going to look at today is how do we respond when, when we, we're faced with opposition. And as most of you will know, 
Um, it's a very rare thing that we embark on any kind of project, no matter how small, without encountering the challenge of opposition somewhere along the way. It may be that you are looking for a new job and not getting anywhere with it, or trying to have children and not succeeding in that, and it's tough. Um, and the, the last thing you feel like dealing with in the midst of all the excitement of all these plans that you've laid out uh, is opposition. But it's, it's perfectly normal. It's, it happens throughout life and throughout the Bible. Challenge is something that we're all going to face. But in this chapter, we see, we get a glimpse into how Nehemiah handles the challenge of opposition. So let's read. We're going to read from verse 1 to verse 14. When Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah, the Ammonite who was at his side, said, what they are building even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. Hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's wards had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, that they were very angry. Sorry, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be there among them. And we will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near came and, and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight, and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Let's pray quickly. Lord, we, just, we give you thanks for your word, and... Father, I stand before you this morning as um, just just fully surrendered and um, and here to be used for you, Lord. And I pray that you will speak through me, that you will soften our hearts to hear your word, and that you will have your way with us. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, let's take a look at some of the impact opposition can have, and then we'll look at the way that Nehemiah responds and see how that can help us. So, one of the principal challenges of opposition is that it undermines confidence. Have a look in verse 1 and 2. Now, Sanballat was governor of Syria to the north of Jerusalem, and he's not been happy 
when Nehemiah first showed up with this plan to rebuild Jerusalem and these letters of permission from the king. And now, with the work underway, he's, he's getting pretty, pretty antsy, and, and the first thing he does is to seek the undermi- to undermine the builder's confidence, saying things like, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? So it's just filled with ridicule and mockery. All of this with the sole intention of undermining the confidence of of the Jews that are trying to rebuild this wall. He's basically standing there saying, do you seriously think you can do it? Do you really think that you're going to make any difference? Have you really thought this whole thing through? Questions and talent challenges, doubt and jeering, all these kinds of things can really unsettle us and undermine our confidence. The second thing opposition does is it attracts others. Um, you know, any of you who have, who've, who've received opposition will know that one voice usually leads to a whole gang of voices. Have a look at verse 3. So not only have you got Sanballat, but there's also his cronies. He's got Tobiah at his side. And they're all happy to join in with the, taunt, with the taunting. But you see, it doesn't just stop there. By the time we get to verse 6 and 7, Samaria to the north has joined in. Sorry, Samaria to the north has been joined by some Arabs to the south, some Ammonites to the east, and some Ashdodites to the west. All of these people surrounding Jerusalem, united and plotting against Nehemiah and his plans, stirring up trouble wherever they can. Now, a single opposition is hard enough to deal with, but to be surrounded by opposition is something else. Um, we... Before we left Zimbabwe, we, we, were, we were living on a farm, and basically the government decided that they would, um, they would take the farms away to supposedly resettle people who had been moved off the farms by British colonials way back in the day. Um, it was more to, to hand them out to their cronies. But we were living on a farm, and one by one we lost all our neighbors, and we just lost all our support, and, and we were... We were kind of surrounded by people who didn't want us there, much like, much like these Israelites. So, um, again, I can, I can find kind of, um, kind of relate to Nehemiah this morning. Um, the third thing opposition does is it weakens our resolve. Have a look at verse 10. Having to deal with that kind of onslaught, especially coming at you from all sides, is so energy-sapping and ultimately undermines the vision that the Lord has given Nehemiah. And so we're not surprised the people of Judah started saying in verse 10 that the strength of the laborers is giving out. When we're facing oppositions and challenge, it can just wear us down. Not only do we lose confidence in the things that we feel the Lord might have said to us, but we begin to doubt whether we can do this at all. In verse 10, the builders begin to say, there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Now, it's not that there's any more rubble than there was when they first started. In fact, if anything, there's less. Um, but because they're being challenged, it just, it just feels like there's more. And what's changed is the impact of the opposition. It's coming at them from all sides, and discouragement starts to set in and spreads amongst the workers. So, opposition undermines confidence. It attracts others. It weakens our resolve. 
And it causes us to fear. Have a look at verse 11. Our enemy said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. The people were scared, and, and, and rightfully so. Um, I can tell you that before Lindsay and I moved off the farm in Zimbabwe, we were pretty terrified. People were losing their lives around us. Um, there was one night when uh, the, the ruling party in, in, our, in our area came and took all my foremen away, about 12 of them, um, took them off for the night, and um, what they called re-educated them, um, which is basically a process of humiliating them, beating them, um, putting fear into them so that they would, uh, yeah, they, they would support the ruling party, that they would support the president who's in power. Um, so, yeah, fear is a terrible thing. It's, um, the people were scared. In verse 11, their enemies were upping their threats. And by verse 12, a paraphrase might go something like this. We're all going to die, building this blasted wall. I knew I should have stayed at home. <laughs> it's, um, it's a normal reaction. So Nehemiah and his crews are right up against it. Opposition coming at them from every angle, undermining their confidence as more and more people join in against them. Their resolve is weakened. Fear and anxiety are spreading like wildfire. So, how does he respond? And what can we learn from him when we're facing challenge and opposition of our own? The first thing Nehemiah does is he prays. Have a look at verse 4. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Have you noticed that, that Nehemiah, if you've been around for the, the last, last few weeks, the, Nehemiah's first response to anything is prayer. He is a prayer. He goes straight to the one who's brought them safely thus far. And it's not just me, Nehemiah who prays. As the opposition increases, they all get praying. Have a look at verse 10. But we prayed to our God. And it's a great reminder to us all to ask ourselves, what or who do we turn to when we're up against it? Are we a people of prayer? Do we find ourselves going to God in prayer when the proverbial hits the fan? So first of all, they pray, but they don't just pray. They also persevere. I love this verse in verse 6. It says, So we built the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. Right in the face of all the opposition and threat, they just get on with the job at hand with all of their heart. John Wimber, who um, together with his wife, Carol, founded this, um, this movement of, of churches that, that is known as the Vineyard. Um, they, they started the first Vineyard Church in, in California. And in May of 1977, John was called by God to start preaching on healing and to start praying for healing. And for 10 months, every Sunday he got up and preached about healing. And day in and day out, he prayed for, for people to be healed. And you know how many people he saw healed in those 10 months? None. Not even one. But this is what God had told him to do. So he persevered, and he persevered, 
and he persevered. And in March of 1978, 10 months after the Lord had told him to do this, he saw the first person healed. And went on to see tens of thousands of people healed across the world. Um, and I mean, we, we do the same thing now because he persevered. So, the same, you see the same thing in verse 15. Right in the face of growing opposition and the increasing discouragement and fear, Nehemiah and his team stayed just as focused. In verse 15 it says, When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. They persevered. They just kept on going with the things that God had called them to do. So, prayer, perseverance. But in addition to this, they also prepared. So verse 9 says this. We prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. And again in verse 13, Nehemiah is very practical in response to the threat of attack. Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. So not only praying, not only persevering and getting on with the job, but preparing to defend themselves. And these remaining verses of chapter 4 are an account of that preparedness. There's no further mention of opposition, but there's no dropping of the guard. They're ready if there's any attack. They're watching as well as working and praying. And it's wise because as we'll see in a couple of weeks, the opposition hasn't gone away. And it's interesting what Nehemiah says to the people to prepare them for facing opposition. In verse 14 and again in verse 20, he says this. I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And in verse 20, our God will fight for us. And we need people like this in our lives that, who will speak to us like that when, we, when we're facing opposition or challenge. People who encourage us and spur us on. People who put courage back into our hearts when we feel like our resolve is failing. People who, when, when things turn dark, will remind us of the things that we know to be true in the light. It's at these times we need to turn our attention to Jesus. As the writer in Hebrews put it, puts it, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The best way for us to be prepared is to remember the Lord, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Because Jesus has fought for us. He's already won the war, and we just have a few battles to fight along the way. It's just another classic example of the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. And whilst the Jews were prepared for a physical battle, we need to remember the words from Ephesians 6. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. For the, 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 mass, the vast majority of us are not at risk of being attacked by the Ammonites to the north or the Ashdodites to the west. Um, the, the vast majority of us are 
under more threat of, of spiritual attack than we are physical attack. Um, so we don't need to strap actual swords to our waist every day. We, we need to close ourselves in the armor of God. Um, So in verse 19, we see, we see this. He says, And I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, The work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there, and our God will fight for us. So, he, he's not doing this on his own. We, we're not designed to take on these battles on our own. And there's a reason why we gather together on a Sunday and we meet together during the week in our small groups and gather together in threes and fours throughout the week to, to pray for each other and encourage each other. And if you're, not, if you're not part of a small group, I'd really encourage you to get involved in one because we, you know, what, what we do here on a Sunday morning is great and it's amazing and we gather together and we worship together and we have brief catch-up conversations, but it's... Joining a small group is where we build community. Getting, joining, finding two or three people who, who you can meet with every couple of weeks to pray with and, and encourage you. Um, people who, when you sound the trumpet, will come running. Um, it's just essential. It's a, I'd really encourage you to, to, to do it. So, while it's God's will for us to join in heaven... The, devil's will, the devil is standing on the sidelines trying to undermine our confidence, trying to weaken our resolve and sow the seeds of fear in us. So we need to pray um, for ourselves and for each other. We need to persevere when the going gets tough. We need to prepare and we need to remain prepared. For it's not a case of if we encounter opposition. It's, you know, you, you've just got to read your Bible to know that we, we've, we've taken a stand in, in this world and we're here to advance the kingdom of God, but it's not, it's not going to happen without opposition. So we need to be prepared for it. Um, and it just so happens that, that we, have, um, we have got quite a challenge up, up ahead of us in the next few weeks in moving from here to the ark. Um, so... Whilst we're not having to build a wall, we, we will be having to fill a new space, find out how it works, get some teams on board, um, and we're expecting loads of people to come. The people on the estate where, we move, like where the school is based are so excited that we're moving back. So it's going to be an exciting time, um, but it's going to be a challenging time because we're advancing the kingdom of God, and it makes the devil mad. Um, so... He's, he's going to throw everything he's got at us. And we, um, we're going to prepare this morning by, by praying. We're going to pray for God's favor on us. We're going to pray for, for workers to, to help us build the wall in a way or um, build the ark. Fortunately, there's a team of laborers that, that have already, already done the 30 million pound job. But it's, um, it's going to be a big job. We're going to pray for his protection on us as we move. And we're going to pray for his kingdom to break through as, as we, we resettle there. 
Um, so I'm going to invite the worship team back. And if you can just gather together in groups of four or five, um, and we're just going to pray together. We're going to, we're going to prepare for this, and um, then we'll do some ministry time after that.